Welcome to Your Adventure Podcast, a motivational podcast without the screaming. A hosted, unedited conversation with guests from all walks of life, sharing their own personal journey, showing that everyone has different outlooks on life, choice of career, and that success looks different for everyone. Get ready to be inspired and be enlightened of how we all have similar journeys and thoughts. Anything is possible. This is Your Adventure Podcast, and this is Dustin Emery. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Your Adventure Podcast, and this is your host as always, Dustin, and today I have a special guest in the studio, uh, Nolan Kistler. Is that how you said the last name? That's right. I almost, uh, I was looking at that. It made me think of Christmas for a second. I don't know <laughs> why, but um, that is cool that Brandon was able to uh, connect us. Absolutely. He, uh, he texted me about it and was kind of all excited. He's a good dude. Yeah, Brandon had a lot of fun in high school, wrestled together. He's a good good guy. Actually, I never knew that he wrestled, actually, until yeah. I saw that uh, he mentioned you. And I was like, oh, I actually didn't know that about him. Yeah, yeah, he, he dabbled in it a little bit. I mean, he didn't have that that long. He didn't have that much experience, but for what he had, he, he did real well. Yeah, we'll get into your wrestling because I, I definitely looked you up <laughs> and yeah. some of your stats. Cool. I'm pretty uh, interested in that. But And then your law, obviously, where you're going to now. And then uh, also, also congratulations on getting married soon. Thank you very much. Um, but we'll, uh, you know, we'll start at the beginning and uh, work our way up to you know, your adventure you call life right now. Um, your first uh, childhood dream, you know, what did you think about? Yeah, I when, when I was younger, I wanted to serve in the military. Um, I thought Army, you know, we had a dress-up day at school. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, comes to class and uh, they have their costume on. And I just thought there was something cool about serving your country. And, and uh, it's almost doing something that's greater than yourself intrigued me when I was younger and and that yeah that was my perspective and my brother was pretty similar we both had that um desire but no no one in our family served in the military so i'm not entirely sure where it came from i think it's just um a personal intrigue Mm -hmm. is there a a certain like part of the branch that you thought about or a certain position that you thought about or it was just military yeah just military in general Mm -hmm. um i did like the fact that uh with air force there's get to fly a plane like mm. that just as a kid it just that sounds fun super sick yeah. yeah driving a you know big machine in the air just something about it just mm. really really uh i thought that would be cool mm. how uh how uh, uh what's the word how far apart are you and your brother in age we're, yeah we're 14 months 14 oh, okay months. oh wow so you guys have to be really close i uh, I have a big age gap between me and my brothers but okay yeah how, what's the age gap uh so the middle brother that i was talking about before uh we have an eight-year age gap dang okay yeah um but we're we're close as we got older it got better but uh yeah it's always um interesting to hear other people who have like closer siblings compared to my own because i don't know any different (laughs) i remember growing up when we were younger a lot of a lot of uh stranger strangers would come up because my mom would dress us as twins my brother hated it because you know he's the older brother he didn't Mm want to look like we were twins and, yeah. and he would get real upset and and people would come up and oh your twins are so cute and he he would tell them like and he's a young kid he's like no we're, no, we're not no. twins i'm the big brother you know yeah yeah i'm sure he reminds you all the time i'm the oldest here. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's always funny that way too. Um, okay, so military, and then uh, you know, let's get into your you know high school years. Um, I saw that you got into wrestling, and what was your mindset at that point? You know, sure. as you got older, obviously you're drifting away from military. Now you're thinking, what do I do? I guess for the rest of my life, in a way. Sure. Um, so my family, my dad and my uncles were, they were really good wrestlers and they wrestled in Riverside, uh, Notre Dame high school. It's a small Catholic school hmm. and they were all state champions. They performed really well. So when I, when I grew up, I didn't really have a choice. My brother and I, we love football. We like to play it in middle school and we did pop Warner in elementary school. My brother was probably a bigger fan of football, but when we got into high school, um, uh, my dad kind of said, "You're wrestling," and and he you was didn't the, want to do football. I I, I wanted to, but you they know, wouldn't allow it. They wouldn't allow it really. Uh, I mean, and I I think there's something to be said about dual sports and doing multiple sports, just be, with cross training and all the benefits mm. that come with it. It's just he was the wrestling coach at King High School, so he uh, okay. you know wanted us to just focus on that, and and I understand it to a point. It's nice to have kids specialize in mm. a certain sport, but yeah, that that was kind of. We had our destiny set for mm. is uh um looking back on it now do you think it was the right thing to do looking back on it i think maybe just on paper it was the right thing mm. um as far as not getting hurt you know staying in one sport being able to focus on that but i do wish just for personal reasons that i played football mm. i think it'd be awesome and high school's short and it's not all about you know your your accolades mm. in high school it's about what you make of it and the experiences you gain. And I think playing football would have been fun. Mm. If you would have played football, what, what, uh, what position would you have liked? Well, I, I'm quick. I'm, I'm fast. Mm. Uh, so maybe, maybe receiver, but mm. I played uh believe it or not, I was nose guard and in when we played pop Warner Okay, and you know, a small, I was a small kid, but mm. my brother was center. So we would just constantly wow. in practice be fighting the whole time. So, but I, I mean, I wasn't big enough. I was 125 pounds in, in high school when I started out. Well, I saw uh, I saw your, your college height. You're six foot? Yeah, six foot. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess that's a little short for football. Yeah. But yeah. isn't that really big for wrestling, though, or no? Are there bigger it's, guys than that? There's, yeah, I mean, well, there's the weight class, like Brandon, they, it goes mm. all the way up to 285 pounds. That's the. Oh, wow. But, I actually didn't know that. It, but there's. That's you big. Know, it is, yeah, it is big. There's kids. The cool thing about wrestling, you have real short stocky kids mm -hmm. real tall lanky kids kind of like me at a little more leverage mm -hmm. and then you have kids right in the middle um so it, you you do get a lot of styles and different body types but for the most part you're right there's not a lot of really tall mm -hmm. really lanky guys um just because when with wrestling you know someone can shoot on you tackle you and it's harder to to defend your legs when you're real tall, you're real tall. yeah what's a uh, um <laughs> i know this is probably a weird question but uh did you get cauliflower ears for yeah. wrestling yeah i did they're not they're not terrible they're but not terrible yeah. how do you get rid of those i'm always I, when i see so i watch ufc when i see them have like really messed up ears i'm like how do you get rid of that yeah i mean and how does it happen how do, it's funny some kids never get it and they're mm. training a lot harder than other kids and some really? kids they have one practice and just get you know kind That's of so weird but you if you if you catch it at the right time when it's swollen mm -hmm. you just take a needle and drain it out and uh Sometimes it'll look like a raisin and you get mm -hmm. you know, a really ugly looking ear and then other times it's okay. So mm. yeah, there, it was funny. There's a lot of kids who, who wanted it and it's kind of, 
kind of dumb. They would like a mark of passage or something. Mark of passage, yeah. yeah and they would be punching themselves in the ear, and it's just kind of lame, you know. Really? I mean, just for kind of you know just being silly. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Now, uh, what was your record in high school? In high school, I couldn't tell you my record to be honest. I, I'm not really mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. My I think my senior year, I, only, I lost maybe maybe a handful of matches, and I probably wrestled. 70 matches so that's a lot in one year though 70 yeah yeah but (laughs) probably including you know a little bit of off season too around Mm. 70 yeah what's a what's like a season for wrestling like i played basketball in high school so i know what that season looks like but how's wrestling is it how's that set up it goes from pretty much from summer all the way to march but it doesn't Mm. really pick up heavily until after thanksgiving i think that's when it official season starts okay but we, you know, we're training, doing a little freestyle wrestling, which is a little bit different from folk style wrestling. And you, you're doing that over summer, and then you kind of transition into folk style. And season starts officially probably in November. And you said folk style. Folk style. Yeah. What, what does that mean? So that's if you any if you watch any sort of college wrestling on hmm. uh, the NCAA, that's that's folk style wrestling. Okay. And interestingly enough, uh, the United States is the only country that. Does it? Has that, yeah. Oh, wow. It. If you watch the Olympics, that's all freestyle. Hmm. Um, the difference is you can lock your hands in freestyle when you're on top. You try to turn a guy to, over to his back. Okay. Folk style is a little bit, you, you can't lock your hands. It's a violation. So it sounds like a very mo- uh, minor thing, but hmm. it makes a big difference. I was going to say, I was like, uh, if you can lock it, you have to have a better advantage, I'm assuming, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the bottom wrestler is just trying to stay on his belly mm-hmm. like an abalone shell. He doesn't want to get turned over. Um, as opposed to folk style, you're, you're actually trying to get up off the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. up to your feet again. Now, I'm assuming a lot of people thought your wrestling was going to look like WWE. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's obviously not true because I've seen wrestling before. And uh, I'll say it compared to WD, it looks it, it's definitely more technique and boring. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> I'm, true. I'm assuming you got that a lot. Absolutely. I mean, there's kids that have come out and wrestled on, you know, kids, real tough kids that came out because they thought it was going to be like WWE, yeah. and they end up doing real well. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not the most spectator friendly sport because it's very technical, mm-hmm. and especially when you get to the higher levels, uh, because both wrestlers are a lot of times very good technically mm-hmm. and they have good defense it's uh, a head-to-head match and there's not like a blowout so mm-hmm. like anything with any other sports sometimes very c- competitive matches aren't as interesting oh uh talk about making weight because you have to make weight right yeah like so uh i've heard different you know stories about making weight when it comes to fighting and in any fighting sport um is it really like uh dangerous and drastic for some people or are you taking like i guess a better approach a good approach more healthier that's that's an interesting question because i've really come a long way with that in mm. in high school it was i think a little bit more i just had a more of an old school mentality you know you just there's you make weight no excuses and mm. we would sauna you know we had to have trash bags on running around which is wow yeah it, it um we had a, a buddy of mine at the cif wrestling championship okay he cut um probably he's trying to cut like 10 pounds in one night and uh he didn't make it he passed out on the side of the road and he didn't oh even make, he didn't make it to the tournament and he was wow. a really a stud wrestler so i think there's something to be said about not cutting so much mm-hmm. so that 
you know, you feel, you feel yourself, you feel natural, you feel good on the day of the match. Mm-hmm. And that's what in college, my senior year, I didn't cut any weight. I rested that 174 pounds and I saw that and and I felt big, I felt strong, but I didn't have to cut any weight. And it just, it, everybody has a different body and different style, but, mm. um, I think it's, I just found my perfect way to, to cut weight at towards the end. And, and that was not having to kill myself every time. Yeah. Yeah. Killing, uh, is the a good word to use or the accurate word. Cause yeah, other people I've talked to about cutting weight just for any type of fighting. It seems so dangerous, yeah. like the way they do it. Um, or especially like you were talking about with your buddy, trying to drop 10 pounds in one night. I mean, I don't even know if that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. He was a little, it, it's it's possible. My, um, there's, you know, stories back in the day. Um, you know, my dad wrestled at the University of Iowa and they would, um, they would cut 10 pounds just before a dual meet, wow. jump, jump in the sauna, you know. Uh, but that's why nowadays wrestling's a little different. They have, uh, after a dual meet, you only mm. have an hour before you wrestle and that's a, that's in place so that people don't, it, you're, you're not as you're de, de- incentivized to mm. cut as much weight because you know, within an hour, you got to feel good and be ready to wrestle. Or so a dual meet is you have two matches back to back or you have, uh, the dual meet, that? the dual meet is a one, it's one match, but you're. It's your team against their team, so it's okay. so similar to like a basketball basketball game. You have your full lineup of your team, and you go just against one team, as opposed to a wrestling tournament where you're um, you're in a bracket mm. and you're you're individually competing for the championship. And you individually, yeah, okay. That was going to be my next question because I know wrestling, like you said, does have teams, but in a bracket system, I guess tournament. You are you wrestling against your own teammates to like maybe advance? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is that harder than wrestling someone that you've never wrestled before? Absolutely. I think yeah. so because they know your tricks. They've mm-hmm. wrestled you in the practice room. Even if you're a little better than them, every time you wrestle them, it gets closer and closer mm. because of that, because they know, you know, what sort of strategies you use. How many times do you think you've gone against a teammate? Oh, I would say over 30 times. Oh, wow. And I do. I hate it for that <laughs> reason. Yeah. I, it's, it's not fun. Yeah, uh, I was curious uh, about your college career. This is what I pulled up. Okay. Um, uh, So it's from 2015 to 2018. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So at least the stats that I found for each year was your record was it uh, started off kind of bad. Yep. And then (laughs) it got really impressive. And I was like, okay, there had to have been something that changed, a mental switch. I don't know what you want to call it, but... I'll read it off here because I was very curious about this okay. to hear your perspective. So in 2015, if this is accurate, uh, you can you can change me if not. 2015, it said you were five and seven. Okay. 2016, it said you were two and six. 2017, it said you were four and three. And then 2018, I don't know what you did, but you were 25 and four. Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. That's insane. I, there, oh, there was a huge turnaround for sure. Yeah. The the <clears throat> numbers that that. You know, it's not quite accurate. There's more matches that I wrestled. Mm. Probably looks pretty similar to that, though. Okay. Um, but I think some of the postseason matches, especially in those first two years, they didn't uh, they don't count. put in there. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't count. So, But there was a complete turnaround. I think between my sophomore year and junior year, I had a real big mental switch. Mm. Um, in high school, as I mentioned, my dad was my coach. Yeah. And he was, he was really hard on us. He was, you know, I mean, I'm grateful for it, and I don't regret any of it. Mm. Um, but he was... You know, he expected a lot, and 
I think a lot of times, a lot of what I struggled with in wrestling was pressure mm. and because I was trying to please my dad okay. and I always wanted to wrestle for him. And so I would be very anxious when I'd go out and wrestle on the mat. Mm. Um, and in college, I had a wrestling coach who actually wrestled with my dad in college at the okay. University of Iowa. And he was very the opposite of how my dad was. And he was very calm. I'd get off the, get off the mat. I'd expect him to chew me out. Mm-hmm. And he'd be, he would say, you know, you did this, this, and this right. You know, you could have done this better, but you did good. And you could, this is where you could improve on. Mm-hmm. Where my dad, he would, you know, it would only, only be the negative. Um, and so... Like I said, I, I was grateful for my dad and everything he did for me, but the coaching strategy for me at least worked better with my college coach mm. and it became something where I started to wrestle for, not for someone else, but because of the love of the sport. Mm. When I went out there, it was for like, let's go have fun. Let's see what I can do. Mm. Let's get creative and throw this guy to his back as opposed to, I got to win. I got to win. My dad's watching. Mm. And so there was a, a big change and it's interesting how just a men- your mentality and the way that you perceive the sport can affect your your performance that mm. much. Yeah, that's a huge turnaround because uh, that's that's why I wanted to ask because when I saw it, I was like, oh, something really big happened here because that's a big change in well, you know a few amount of years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, at least what I was looking um, up uh, when I googled your name, which actually it comes up very quickly actually when I googled your name, um, but so how do you become an all-american exactly like in a sport i never understood that like how many accolades do you have to get to get that title so all-american would be you place top uh you're the top eight within the country at your weight class mm. um i wrestled division two and yeah cal, cal, cal state or cal state baptist yeah sorry yep and and <clears throat> so with within if you if you're an all-american you're the top eight within division two at that weight class um you know, you have a lot of Colorado schools, a lot of schools all across the country. But, mm. um, so those three years that I all American, I, I think I placed seventh, fourth and second, wow. um, within the, within the nation. That's so, pretty good. Yeah. It's just like, it's a tournament. So it's a bracket mm. system in order to even qualify for nationals. You wrestle in the regional tournament mm. and you have to place top four there out of, I think, I think 20 teams that are at the regional tournament. Then you move on to the, the national tournament. Okay. Now, for wrestling, um, did you did you get a scholarship to go to the school to do wrestling, or was you or did you just walk on and like this was your thing that you wanted to do? No, I I did get a scholarship, and that was a big reason why I went to Cal Baptist. Mm. Obviously, I wanted to go because I had the connection. My dad uh, wrestled with that coach uh, at the University of Iowa, but mm. also, I mean, I I was thinking about my finances and I didn't want to be in a ton of debt after college. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was looking at division one schools and I was looking at Oregon state, uh, old dominion. They lost their program, but they were out in Virginia okay. and some other division one schools, but the same money wasn't on the table. Um, hence why I went to Cal Baptist, but, um, yeah, I, I received a pretty, pretty good scholarship. And as I perform better, they up my scholarship. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm very fortunate, very fortunate, very grateful for what I had there. That's awesome, man. Well, um, now the question I was thinking about was, so I know you're going into law now, and this is, well, that's where you're headed. Now, Cal State Baptist, is that what you were doing at that college or no? So I was, I was studying criminal justice. So Mm. pretty similar. There's, there's some crossover. A lot of the 
the kids that study that major at Cal Baptist, they end up going into law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted, they didn't have a pre-law major at Cal Baptist. So that was the next, next, next best, best thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also minored in philosophy and I ended up liking that more than my major. So, uh, it was interesting. I, uh, I like philosophy too. Um, I have, I have, uh, an associate's degree in that right now. Oh, wow. And, uh, I literally just fell into it. I never yeah. picked it, but it was like one of my requirements for like transferring to Cal state. <clears throat> and then once I took one class, I just wanted to take more because I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. I love that out of the box thinking. And mm-hmm. also I like, I like to learn about how we're, you know, the, the politics, our society today stems from the thinkers of the past. And it's yeah. really interesting to see that. The most interesting thing, too, that I liked about philosophy was that a lot of religions are just based off of philosophy. They just built it from there and then, you know, went forward, um, which is kind of interesting, I thought. Absolutely. But you're right about politics. Is uh, <laughs> I, think, I think when I took my first class for philosophy, I think, I think Trump was running at the time. Yeah. And I just, I, I know my teacher brought up like that election and philosophy and he like mixed it together. And I was like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I was like, it's so weird, but yeah. it really did. Um, yeah, I was curious about your your college path because uh, what's Chapman Law exactly? Yeah, so it's a law school in Orange County mm-hmm. and it the, pretty similar to Cal Baptist, they're... You know, I had a very similar decision. You know, I I could have gone to a higher ranked school, Mm -hmm. uh, UC Davis to study law. But again, it, you know, Chapman was local. They offered a little bit more scholarship. I was thinking financially. Um, so I ended up choosing to go to Chapman, but I think it's the the greatest decision I've made. I've made wonderful friends there. I have a great group of friends and that's really, that's, makes your experience when you have a good group of friends you can study with them Hmm. um for those who know what law school entails it's 10 hours that you're reading books you know in an isolated environment so when you have good people around you supporting you and keeping holding each other accountable it it really makes it a big difference now so you did four years with cal state baptist how many years do you have to do with chapman law like how do those connect exactly total of three so you know seven years total it's a lot of school. Um, I know there are two-year law programs out there, but for mm. me, yeah, it's a traditional three-year program. Hmm. Now, I know the info that you sent me, you said that you worked for about uh, a year with your dad at his law firm. Now, is that why you got into law, or was law something that you kind of just fell in love with, exactly? Yeah, so <clears throat> when my my dad, just like wrestling, he was wanted my brother and I to go in the legal field, too. He's an mm. attorney. Um, but I didn't want to, and neither did my brother because it's one of those things dad says so, and it's, so you want to do the opposite. Kids never, yeah. Kids (laughs) never want to follow the footsteps. I get it. Exactly. But I, I ended up working for him for a year. Mm. Um, after college, I took a year off just to, to work and, and get a little bit of experience in the field. And I ended up loving it. And I saw the way that he was able to interact with his clients and really help people. Um, he's in personal injury, so it's a lot of car accidents, dog bites, and typically the way society sees plaintiff personal injury attorneys is the big, you know, I don't know, billboard guy saying, yeah. I'll get you a million dollars. Yeah. And I didn't, that was my perspective too. Mm-hmm. And I went into work for my dad for a year and he's small firm. He's his, you know, sole attorney mm-hmm. and he really takes care of his clients and they were grateful when they would walk out. They were very, um, 
grateful for his services. And Hmm. that's something that I was like, I want to do that. I want to, at the end of the day, be able to walk out of my firm and and know that I'm helping people and I'm serving my community and, and my services are appreciated. Now, what what could you, what did you do for a year? Because you're not a, a, well, you're not a lawyer or anything at that time. So what were you actually able to do for his firm? Sure. So I, I actually, uh, so a lot of the claims were in the point. So we represent the injured uh, individual. Okay. And they're within this time period where the statute of limitations is two years minus a day Hmm. or three years minus a day, excuse me. And, but before that period, there's a time in which it could get settled. The case could be negotiated, resolved without the need to go to trial, which is a lot of cost expenses. Nobody wants to go to trial. Not no sides. I was going to say most people just settle, right? Because they're going to lose more money. I would say 98% of uh, cases will settle. That's big. Yeah. And it's nice too, because it's, it saves everybody time and money. Mm -hmm. And so I was negotiating a lot of the claims and getting them, uh, you know, getting a fair and reasonable settlement for our clients. Mm. Um, obviously, insurance companies are businesses, and as businesses, they want to save money, so they're mm. going to lowball in the beginning and, and undervalue some of these claims. So, uh, and sometimes they don't. That's kind of a generalization, but a lot of times they do. Mm. And so, I would negotiate those claims and sell them. And also, I'd watch my dad in depositions or mediations and see how he does things and try to learn and and uh, pick pick his mind. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, that's nice. Then you fell in love with it in your own way, even though it was, you know, your dad's thing at the time. Yeah. Um, now, I know you mentioned that your bar exam is in July, which I'm sure you're either excited or frightened. I'm not sure. <laughs> where, where are you at right now with that? A little bit of both. A little bit of, a little both. of both. Yeah. <clears throat> now, uh, explain exactly. So I've heard two things and uh, you probably heard it too, maybe. And it's going to sound dumb, but like only because she's obviously a celebrity in our society nowadays so kim kardashian yeah i can't believe i'm saying that name but yeah (laughs) kim kardashian she passed the baby bar exam now what's what is that and then what's the bar exam i didn't know that there was two different ones or maybe more i don't know explain that yeah the baby bar exam is just it's it's not quite the same where you're not tested on the federal and state level Mm -hmm. so the traditional bar exam it's a two-day test um you're tested California law on the essay mm. exam and also the multi-state bar exam, which is multiple choice, but it, it encompasses federal law as well. Uh, so you get a little bit of both. The baby okay. bar is, uh, to my knowledge, just California law tested. So you can um, only practice law in California with that? Well, that's the case either way. Mm. Uh, the, the traditional bar, because California doesn't offer rep- reciprocity to other states and they don't offer reciprocity to California. What does that mean? means that if I pass the California bar, okay. I can't move to Arizona and, and practice law out there. Oh, um, okay. And it's just, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense. California law is very different from Arizona. Mm-hmm. and um, But there, there's, multi-state, there's a multi-state bar exam. And it encompasses like 30 different states. And so my plan is to take the California bar exam in July. Okay. And then the following February, take the multi-state bar exam. So that if you know need be, I and I need if I desire to move or go to another state, hmm. I could practice in one of those states. And there's like 30 on the list. It's okay, you know. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, I really wondered what that meant exactly. Yeah. Um, mainly just because everyone was like, "Oh, she's a lawyer now," and I was like, "Well, what's baby bar mean though?" I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> now you said okay, you did say a two day testing for the baby bar. 
Now, how long is how long does it take for you to take your test? I didn't know it was going to be over multiple days. I thought it would just you know you come in, you do it. So, yeah. so the baby bar I believe is only only one day. Mm-hmm. The bar is two days, and um, or the traditional bar is two days. Other than that, I don't I don't really know because the baby bar isn't something that I've mm-hmm. uh, sought out. So I'm not entirely sure what what else or how it's different from the bar exam. But I just know that the bar exams. Uh, tr- thought of at least as much more difficult and it's a more time consuming, longer test, but, and it, like I said, it encompasses that federal law too. So you're getting a more of an oversight of, of the legal system uh, of the United States as opposed to just California. Mm -hmm. Now are you, are you paying for this test yourself? Is that how it works? Yeah, it's expensive. It's, you know, probably a thousand dollars just to sign up. Wow. And you got to take a a prep course usually, and that's about 1500 to 2000 but I'm a, a Barbary representative, which Barbary is just one of the vendors who, who offers their services and they prepare you for the bar. Mm-hmm. And so at school, I just sign up my friends and fortunately, you know, they, they gave me uh, their services for free. So I don't have to pay for it. Oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah. So I just, you know, got lucky. I, I met someone on campus that was um, a friend of mine and she introduced me to, to one of the Barbary representatives and he's like, hey, you want a job? And I was like, okay, sure. There I'll, you go. I'll, I'll tell my friends to sign up. Everything's uh, everything comes to you at the right time. Sometimes, you know. Absolutely. Um, now, what type of law exactly do you want to practice? Are you looking for the same personal injury thing like your dad? Definitely want to do personal injury, but I also really want to practice estate planning. So, managing people's assets, um, writing trusts uh, for people. A big thing that a lot of people don't know is that if you have a will, that's not enough to avoid probate. Really? It's not enough. And wow. probate's very timely or time costly. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to pay attorneys a minimum standard. The state of California requires that you pay them. I don't know the exact percentage. I think it's roughly like 20% of the total assets. Um, wow. Some, something kind of astrono- astronomical. Mm-hmm. Astronomical? Astronomical yeah. like yeah, yeah. that. And uh, so a lot of people want to avoid it, but they don't know that you need a trust in order to avoid probate. So, hmm. um, and it's just a contract. It's just a simple contract. Attorneys can write that up and obviously making sure that they're up to speed with the law hmm. and the changes in the law. But um, it's something that I think it, it would be fun to offer my clients hmm. uh, just to have a all encompassing firm. You know, if I have a client who unfortunately they're in an accident, but they need, they have a grandpa who's, you know, on you know, sort of declining health and, and they want to make sure that his assets are protected, you know, mm. avoid any creditors, avoid the possibility of probate, then I could draft a trust for them. Okay. Um, now, would you recommend like a trust for anybody or is that just people with a lot of assets? I'm always curious about that part. Everybody. everybody? I, and my professor, he, he unfortunately passed away, my estate planning professor. Mm. He was a very big proponent of that because a lot of people, and I, I think it's a misconception. They think that estate planning is only, it's a tool of the rich. Yeah. That, well, that's my thought. That's why I asked it. That's why. But the thing with the trust, everybody avoids probate and mm. nobody wants to go to probate. It's it's terrible. It's, you know, all of your private documents are. Now, probate is, is what exactly? What does that mean? Probate is, is the process in which the assets of the person that passed away, mm. um, the family members, you know, oftentimes there's two people claiming the assets. Yeah. You know, uh, Auntie Sally wants 40%. Mm-hmm. Uncle Jim wants 60%. Um, so probate's the process of where they dis- disperse the deceased assets. Okay. Um, so you, 
you know, you can, you can tell there's a lot of drama involved in that. Yeah. A, and unfortunately money, you know, can even separate family and money changes a, people. Money changes people. It absolutely. Does. Okay. So by doing the trust, you avoid that. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. But so you would even recommend a trust for someone that doesn't have a lot of money. I think so. You, hmm. Why wait in line for court? You have to wait. It's a long system. Um, like I said, your private documents are, are publicized for mm-hmm. the the uh, community to see. So there's a there's a lot of reasons to avoid probate, and um, a trust is simple, and you could you could they're pretty affordable too. You can hmm. find an attorney who does a solid job uh, for an affordable price. Okay, hmm. I have to keep that in mind for myself. Yeah. Yeah, because I, um, I mean, I won't go into detail, but uh, I have a, a family member who had us. She's basically like in charge of the trust for. It's a cousin of mine. She's in charge of the trust, and then she basically disperses all the funds to all the grandchildren. <clears throat> but there's always a few family members on that side that are uh, trying to like tear it down because they're like, oh, I want this money, this whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely protected them in the long run. But I never really fully understood it. Yeah. Till now, it, which that makes sense. Okay, yeah. so <clears throat> now, uh, lawyer, all American wrestler. Um, I'm assuming there's times where you need uh, a mental break, health break. You know, is there some things that you do, uh, you know, to keep yourself going? Because obviously, a lot of the stuff can be stressful. You know, um, looking at our, well, anybody looking at their own future, trying to build it. Yeah. There's always times where you're like, crap. Like, am I doing the right thing? I'm tired, et cetera. You know, is there anything you do to help yourself? Well, I, I know you played basketball, and, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and so we're both athletes. And I think that, at least in high school, was my release, mm-hmm. being able to just go in there um, and work out. Like, it's something that it's uh, it's tough, but it's a privilege. And to this day, I still wrestle, and I still go in and help. Uh, my daddy's still a wrestling coach at Martin Luther King High School. Okay. My brother's a coach at, in the community too. At That's what he told me. John W. North High mm-hmm. School, and so I'll go in and, and wrestle with them. Um, we, my brother and I, were also sometimes we uh, wrestle with a UFC fighter. His name's Edmund Shabazian. Uh, he's a mm. stud stud fighter, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And he's actually. His background's not wrestling. He wrestled a little bit, mm-hmm. but he's a great wrestler. And that mm-hmm. I just have so much respect for uh, mixed martial artists because they they're just so well rounded. You mm-hmm. know, I I couldn't take a punch to the face. You know, I probably can't. <laughs> I don't think most people could. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's just so many areas where you know I'm a, I'm a wrestler. I'm good there, but mm-hmm. I'm vulnerable. You know, from a jiu-jitsu standpoint or from mm-hmm. Muay Thai on their feet, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I just have a lot of respect. And but we stay in shape that way and. It's a good um, good way to just clear your mind and, and like you said, just uh, um, be able to release some, some stress. Mm. All right, so just keeping healthy, you know, physical. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I know you're you know you're getting married soon. So, like, what is a what does your fiance do? Is she excited for where you're going? She's very excited. She's um, I'm not gonna lie. It's been a lot. It's it's been stressful in in the uh, the past few months. We've been trying to figure out the venue, mm-hmm. and I, apparently this this year is the most popular wedding uh, year in the, the history of our nation really? because of, because of COVID everybody either put postponed off or so much. postponed. Hmm. And so you had that overflow the next, the following year. Okay. That makes sense. So, I mean, we were looking at a lot of venues and there was no availability on any Saturday, for instance, hmm. at this, at this one venue. Um, but fortunately we found 
this uh, another venue where it's just some owner on this avocado farm. He, he's got a big barn that he just plopped up in his in his farm, and and he's not on the commercial wedding list, so he doesn't have everybody coming in. Mm. He's not as stocked as some of these other venues. So mm. he's like, yeah, you want to come in on a Saturday? You know, just tell me the date. Let's do it. You know, oh, that's cool. That's yeah. nice. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun, though. That's yeah. cool. Um, now, what does uh, what does she do? So she's a uh, she works for UPS, mm. and she was at first in their finance department. She's a, she loves numbers. She's an accountant, oh. the op- opposite of me. <laughs> I hate math. <laughs> same. That's real hard. I gotta I gotta work for it. Yeah. Uh, no. Same. Absolutely. Mm. And so she started in the finance department, then she went over to sales, mm. um, and she loves sales. And it's interesting because she is a little introverted, mm. but. I've heard her on the phone. She just, she crushes it. And she's, I think it's, she's very genuine. She's mm. not, um, you know, everything she says comes from s- truth. And, uh, I think she just enjoys it. She has a wonderful manager or a wonderful boss above her. And she's just, I think she moved over more for the, the commission, but now she's actually, I think it's the best thing that she ever did. Hmm. And, uh, moving over for the commission, that's, uh, but with sales, isn't commission usually sales or no? Yes. So she, right. she has her base salary, but then, mm-hmm. you know, she can make a little bit more with commission and, um, <clears throat> I, I think it's good. It motivates her and, and she's done well for herself so far. And you met her in college is what you said, right? That's right. I was playing, uh, Pokemon go. I was walking around <laughs> campus. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Pokemon came, came back in a hard way. It, it did. Yeah. I know. I know. I was a big Pokemon fan back in the day. So yeah. I know I, I was too for, for for a little while when I was a kid, but uh, <laughs> then I at the, some point I got rid of cards. But I probably should have kept them, honestly. Yeah, they're selling for. Uh, I know. Selling for a lot. I know. Okay, so you met her playing the game. She was playing it too, or you were just playing it? I was playing it with my brother, and and hmm. really, I I didn't like it that much. I just it was something my brother and I could do. We could skate around campus hmm. uh, on our longboards catch a Pikachu and uh, I walk up to her and she was on her phone. So I mm. thought she was playing too. Oh, okay. And I was like, Oh, you, what's up? Like you playing Pokemon go. And she's like, you know, looked at me all crazy and was like, no, <laughs> like you weirdo. Yeah, no. you weirdo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and I, after that, I just kind of walked away a little awkward and I asked my brother, like, who was that? Like, she's pretty cute. Mm. And he was like, Oh, that's Katarina. I had a class with her and I just kind of looked her up on Instagram and, um, Power of social media. Power of social media. <laughs> social media. And we had mutual friends. Uh, okay. One of her best friends was dating a friend of mine. So mm. we ended up uh, going on a hike and doing some fun dates in the beginning. We had a ro- rocky beginning, though. We hmm. On our first date, our car got broken into. Wow. And uh, the, Your car's or hers? Uh, it was my car. Oh, man. It was my car. That's rough. I made a rookie mistake. I parked at the bottom of Mount Rubido. Hmm. You know, and it's a beautiful area, but... Yeah, I've done that hike. You have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful hike. And um, it's just usually the locals know you don't want to park right there because there mm-hmm. are robberies there. And then we came back after to the house afterwards. Mm-hmm. And my dad thought we were still going on the hike. And he said something like, oh, make sure not to park at the bottom of, <laughs> of Mount Rubido. Oh, pre-warning. Pre-warning. Yeah. You know, and it was, yeah. But it was after that, we it was fun. And we kind of got through our little little rivets and mm. and uh it's been good ever since i mean uh you definitely remember the story it seems right. like uh everyone has well it seems like everyone that gets married they always have like an interesting first date story yeah um breaking breaking into your car that definitely you can't forget that yeah um <clears throat> now for uh for you and her 
you know, is there is there like a big um I don't know, goal together as a couple, you know? Yeah. Besides besides I guess what most couples do, you know, family, kids, etc. You know, is there anything besides that that you guys think about? Sure. I I would say just short term, um, we want to do a little marriage counseling. Hmm. Wow. Uh, just to we're both pre marriage counseling, pre, that's smart. Pre marriage counseling. That's interesting. She, you know, she comes from a family of divorce and she had to go through a lot coming being raised in, in that. Um, fortunately, you know, I'm grateful my parents stayed together. Um, but I also, both of us don't want to, don't want to be in that situation in the future. Mm -hmm. And so we want to just rough out anything that could be underlying, um, or any, any sort of thing that we maybe didn't even think about, but the counselor is like, Hey, like you know, you, you have this issue that I can see when you're talking to each other. Hmm. Um, but maybe you can't, you and her cannot see when you're talking to each other. So, and we, we try to have, we have wine nights where every Saturday or, or about every Saturday, uh, we'll just sit out, look at the stars, um, and, and a nice view spot. We just pick a different spot hmm. and have a little wine. And, and it, sometimes it's helpful to, uh, be in a secluded space where you can just be open with each other and talk about things that are on your mind. Um, and I found that's the most helpful thing in a relationship is just taking time to communicate with each other because communication, that's what I was thinking in my head. Absolutely. Nobody does it anymore. Nobody does it. And it's hard because life's so busy Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's a little bit of stubbornness on my end where I'm, you know, I don't want to acknowledge the fact that I have, I'm doing something wrong where I'm Mm -hmm. not treating her the way I should. Um, so it takes a little bit to just sit down and, and when you put yourself in that, state of mind, I think it becomes easier to acknowledge those, those problems. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say long-term, our goal is just to, um, like you said, raise a family, have kids, um, be successful in our careers. Mm -hmm. We're both Christian, you know, we, we go to church and we'd like to have a local church, uh, that we're involved in. And I I think just, um, raise a good family. Um, I'd like, it's funny. I, I was telling you earlier, my dad forced me to wrestle and everything. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to do that. <laughs> she, you know, she's, she's got on me. She, she said, you know, make sure they try everything. And I agree with mm-hmm. that. I think they should. And my experience with at Cal Baptist, I didn't really succeed and do as well as I, as I did in the end until I really enjoyed the sport. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to force my kids to do anything where they feel like it's, it's a grind and, and they can't enjoy it. So, mm-hmm. Uh, because I think because of my experience at Cal Baptist, I'm I'm not going to force them to to do any sport. I whatever they whatever they they enjoy, I want them to excel at that. That's good. That's really smart. <clears throat> um, it always makes me think of uh, parents at little league baseball. Oh my god, they're insane. Yeah, they're... <laughs> um, I had nephews that played little league, and watching some of those parents, oh man, I'm just like, dude, you guys got to chill. It's just little league. They. They don't even know if they want to play baseball yet. I was like, you got to chill. The dads are fist fight in the parking yeah, lot. <laughs> yeah, or even some of the moms, are, they're just as bad. I'm like, man, all right, this Little League doesn't even count a win or a loss, but um, that's smart. And also, I wow, I've never heard someone talk about uh, marriage counseling before they actually got married. Yeah. <clears throat> Usually, you know, kind of like you mentioned, you know, with your uh, fiance's divorced family and all that. Yeah, it always marriage counseling always comes at the end. Like yeah. when it's probably too late sometimes yeah. or it's about to be too late. So that's really interesting that you took that approach. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't think I've ever really heard that before. Yeah. It's smart. Um, <clears throat> and like you said, uh, your therapist mentioning 
just little things that you don't even notice. It's weird how someone's, uh, well, even not even a therapist, but someone else's outside perspective shows you something, you know, different. Absolutely. Um, now I am curious because I always kind of laugh at law firms names. Yeah. (laughs) Or even investment firms. It always seems like it's like a last name and a last name and sons or something like that. Yeah. You have a name picked out for your firm? (laughs) No, you guessed it. I mean, it would. It'd probably be the typical like Kissler and Kissler or yeah. something like that. I don't know why they always do that. It's I I it's don't know so why interesting they, to be me. honest. I, I couldn't tell you. Like why not just call it Walmart or you know, the know. Walmart firm, you know. Or I, I would just want I don't know, something interesting or something different. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I always think about. And in the movies it seems like it always does that too. There are firms that do that. I, I think it's just as you know, when you go to a firm you're buying that attorney's services. So mm-hmm. it's almost kind of transparent, like you're buying uh, Kistler's services, you know, their, their legal services. Mm. And maybe that's what, how it started. I think it's also attorneys are, they're a little bit into themselves, you know, that that's, uh, kind of part of the field. A lot, a lot of attorneys are a little bit self-centered and maybe that has to do with it a little bit, but to be honest, if for, at least if for my own firm, it wouldn't have to be Kistler and Kistler. Mm. Um, it could be anything. A lot, there's a firm that my buddy's working at, uh, it's called Valiant Law, so you know they they have that's different. Not, that's not bad. Yeah, they got they got different names, and but that's true. I never thought of what the reason for that. Why yeah. why that's the case? It it popped in my head. Like I think the first, uh, actually no, yeah, it popped into my head when Brandon told me that you were going to school for law. I was like, oh, I wonder if he works at a firm that's like <laughs> yeah, some name and name and sons yeah. or yeah, it's always sons or something like that. It makes me laugh, but um. <clears throat> Actually, what uh, since you did bring that up, uh, lawyers kind of being into themselves, um, do you take do you take your wins and losses pretty well when it comes to that, or or maybe your dad actually, because I would assume for a lot of lawyers they don't uh, want to lose very much. Yeah, how does that feel being on that side? Yeah, that's that's interesting. For me, I mean, I haven't had a lot of experience mm-hmm. losing or winning as as an attorney. Yeah, uh, no experience yet, but. Law school is very humbling in itself. It's mm. a very, you're testing. It, it's it's like undergrad where you, you take one final sometimes. That's 100% of your grade. Mm. Um, but at Chapman in particular, in most law schools, you're competing for your rank. And you, in order to be, they call it big law. In order to get into big law, which is just the big firms, you know, whether it be in LA, um, corporate, corporate law, mm. you have to be at the top of your class. So it's very competitive. It's very cutthroat. There's stories of people ripping pages out of their, you know, other students, their colleagues books, just, you know, crazy stuff like that. Um, so, but with that said, it it is very humbling because there's, there's other smart kids that go to, you know, the same school as you and they're taking the same test. And, Mm -hmm. and sometimes, you know, you have a bad day and that test is a hundred percent of your grade. Um, just this last semester, I loved constitutional law. It was a lot of fun. Um, and it was something that kind of clicked with me. It has a lot of philosophical, uh, foundation to it meaning to it absolutely and but the you know thing with the test and especially in law school you have a time limit it's very limited you usually it's a three-hour test that they condense into one hour for instance wow and so So it's one hour to complete it okay yep and and it's just uh you're speeding through you got to type fast and in this particular test i I didn't even get to a full question the the last question which was like 25 percent of the grade Hmm. I, I think I did real well in the other portions of the test, but that in itself, you know, takes me out of the running for 
probably to get the top grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a humbling experience, but it's also, you know, you learn to, to get up and move on to the next class, to the next challenge. But, um, it's a humbling experience. A lot of people, because of that environment have to be a little bit confident in the, themselves. Mm. Hopefully it's not in the way where, you know, they're rude to someone else or they think they're better than anybody else. Like cocky, like you said, cocky. Yeah. And there are unfortunately a lot of attorneys like that, but hopefully it comes from a place of just being confident within yourself, hmm. staying in your own lane and doing the best that you can as an individual. Yeah. And whether that, you know, if you, if you beat people along the way, that's just, be, that's just the way the system is. It's hmm. not because you think you're better than anybody else. Yeah. Hmm. And I think, uh, well, that's why I brought up wins and losses. And I, I think you might, um, agree with me on this. It feels like the, Growing up, it feels like the kids that didn't play any sports, for some of them, um, it would it was really hard for them to uh, take losses like in life, yeah. just in general, um, which is something I always appreciated about sports was that you got to learn how to win and lose. And losing sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, especially losing like uh, when it's really close. Yeah. I'd rather get blown out than lose by one point. Slips out of your fingers. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather get blown out than lose by one point because that sucks. That feels worse for some reason. Right. Even though it's a closer, you know, a score, and most people would be like, "Oh, you only lost by one," but it's like, no, it feels worse. I agree. Because you were that close. Um, and I'm sure, like, you, like I said, you can agree that sports helps you with life and winning and losing because some people don't know how to lose. Absolutely. Or at least lose humbly. Nice. That's also hard. Yeah, I, I mean. <clears throat> With, with wrestling and, I mean, all sports, uh, and with wrestling too, I mean, it's you versus another person, mm-hmm. and when they beat you, it's your will versus theirs, and they outdid you. That, you know, that person standing next to you, they literally bested you, and their, their strength, their wit, their technique was better than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's, a very hum- it's, it's a very humbling experience, and you know, a lot of people, even myself, you, you cry like after you lose. And, yeah. um, um, my dad was very big on being professional, even in loss. And mm. I don't, some kids would throw their headgear and they'd get upset and run out the door. And, uh, he didn't, he didn't put up with that. And I think there's a lot to be said about that because mm. it, in life you will, you, we're all going to face losses. Um, and we really, uh, have to be weary about the way we present ourselves after that. And in sports, I a hundred percent agree train that mentality. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you have spectators, you have people watching you and your family there and you can't just throw a fit. You also everything. have kids. You have kids. I always think about that the most. Yes. Like, Cause they're so, they're like sponges. They'll, they'll take in anything, you know? And yeah, I think if they see you react in a bad way when you lose, I think it just like imprints on them. And they just want to do that because it makes it looks normal, I guess. And it's what you do. You're their superstar. You know, mm-hmm. you're out there, whether it be playing basketball, you know, <laughs> out there on the and they're, they're watching you and you're like their Superman. Mm-hmm. And so the way that you, uh, you know, interact and the way that you take that loss really does affect others. That's oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I always think about. I don't have kids, but my nephews, I just look at them I'm like, all right. Um, <clears throat> now you mentioned, uh, I was going to come back to this. You mentioned the constitutional law. Yeah. So it have to do with, um, I don't know if this is right, but uh, constitutional law makes me think of like cases about, mm, I don't know, race. It makes me think of that. I don't know if that's connected, is it? Yeah. So um, broad scope, 
constitutional law is we have a system of uh, federalism. That's mm. our system of government. And okay. what it means is that we have a strong national government, but then we also have smaller state governments mm -hmm. and they check each other. You know, if, if the before before the Constitution, we had the Articles of Confederation and they were weak mm. and the, they were weak because it gave the federal government no power. The government couldn't tax. It's slipping off. Oh, yeah, it's slipping off. You can pull just it forward in. more. Perfect. Yeah, it'll stay. Okay. Hopefully. Perfect. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> they, they, that was our system of government, but we had Articles of Confederation. They weren't good enough. They, you know, the government didn't have power to enforce any of the, hmm. the powers it was granted. Um, so then we had the Constitution, which gave all the states and the people gave their power to the, to the federal government. It's mm. an agreement among the people and the government that, hey, people are, we have the power, the people have the power, but the federal government is going to ensure that it administers uh, the will of the people. And so it's a beautiful government uh, or beautiful document. And it, the framers really, um, just to this day, I'm very just astonished about their thought and how this document, just a written document, has lasted so ages. Um, but it does... But also with that, you know, our framers weren't perfect and there was a lot of uh, racial um, inadequacies. You know, the, the framers, some of them themselves owned slaves. Mm -hmm. um, so we have we have that. Uh, but you have a great system set up with the with the Constitution. Um, but as we progress and as we see these issues play out and see how people are treated, mm -hmm. um, you know, unfairly, then we, we realize, hey, look, we we don't have the rights that we thought that we did. Uh, and we don't have certain individual rights. So the bill of rights was incorporated into the States through the, uh, 14th amendment. Mm -hmm. It's, it's incorporated into the States. So before there, the constitution granted no individual liberties, it's yeah. just the gov you know, the constitution says this government can do this, but it does not grant every you and I individual liberties. Um, but then once the bill of rights was incorporated, we have individual liberties, um, and you you see how that plays out. You know, there's uh, famous cases where um, you know uh, minorities are given voting rights or, or other landmark decisions that mm -hmm. uh, really establish our nation. So the constitutional law and the Supreme Court just plays a major role in in our lives and our, our rights. Hmm. You think? Uh it's funny that you say that on our rights. Do you think a lot of people don't actually know their rights? I think so. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't. I think a lot of it, at least my belief, is mm -hmm. that a lot of it is innate. I think a lot of it is we we do have certain expectations, but this could be me coming from the United States of America from that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think privileged compared to the rest of the world. Um, but other people, they may not have the same belief as me, but... I think that there's certain rights that we can all agree on. Hey, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go kill someone, you know, yeah. you shouldn't, but when it comes down to the nitty gritty things, a little where we dispute, um, certain rights, then that's different. And I think that's why we need, um, Supreme court justices to really look at these issues, see the way our laws developed and think of what's best for the people. Um, and because they're not easy decisions, none mm -hmm. of it is, um, when you get down to the nitty gritty stuff, not, not murder, you know, obviously yeah, that's, no, I, that's I don't clear. think that one's going to change. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's just a, that's one, that's a human thing that just like, it just, yeah, you know, it's wrong. No, like, it's wrong. I don't think you can get around. It. Yeah. There's no wiggle room on that one. That's what, uh, I, 
I was going to ask too, obviously not about murder, but um, that do you think, because it seems like a lot of our laws obviously have been in place for so long, right? Do you think that some of them have gotten outdated because society has evolved so much? Yeah. Do you think that? or Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's that's the whole debate with originalists and non-originalists, and they interpret the Constitution. Some is strict, you know. Those that are completely originalists say we don't touch it at all. It's it's, it's a, perfect. It's yeah. perfect. Don't touch mm-hmm. it. But the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that um, even originalists, it, that's such a large category. There's a lot of different subsects within that that say no. It you know it it's a great document, but. You know, we got to adapt to society. Yeah. We, we, we have to, you know. Um, so, and same with non-originalists. A lot of, a lot of non-originalists are perceived as, oh, they just want to throw, throw it in the shredder, the, doc, the constitution mm-hmm. in the shredder, and let's, let's start new. That's not the case. A lot of them really respect the structure of the constitution. They think it's a, it's a great document, but they realize also that, it, you know, that we need to adapt. Uh, we need to adapt our laws. So there's absolutely laws that are outdated. Um, and I think that it has to be, it has to be a little bit more fluid. It can't just be, um, the document where that we mm-hmm. had in the beginning. And, and we know that that's not the case. It's, we have amendments for a reason. Yeah. It's been amended because it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, the way I think about the way I think about it is it's just a great foundation to build off of, Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like a starting point. You're not starting from zero, but you start here and you just build off of it. And, um, yeah, that's what I've always thought about in general, just with government, maybe, maybe not law, but just that, you know, what worked back then, I don't think, a, uh, not a lot of it's going to work now, just because society has changed so much um, in general, you know, obviously back then governments, uh, they weren't as accepting as, every, uh, you know, um, sorry, uh, accepting of everybody, obviously right. now we are, you know, so it's a different ball game. <clears throat> that's what I always think about the most, but yeah. Well, uh, wrapping it up here pretty soon, uh, you know, I ask this to everybody, you know, because everyone who's been on my show um, is, have come from different backgrounds, uh, different careers that they want to pursue. You're uh, you're my first lawyer, or future lawyer, yeah. so I was actually pretty excited about that just because law's uh, interesting. <laughs> it's a can of worms, really. but It sure is. Yeah. <clears throat> so I applaud you for going down that road. Uh, you know, for yourself, uh, either personal or career-wise as well. I'm sure you probably have uh, both. But, you know, what what does success, like, look to you? Or not look to you. Uh, what does success look like for you? Like, what does it mean to you? You know, because yeah. I think for, you know, our society nowadays, since we have internet, social media, you know, people look at success as this. You know, oh, they have, you know, a big yacht, they have a boat. Uh, they have a big career, whatever, you know, but for you personally, you know, what does that look like for you? Like, what does it mean to you? Yeah. I think that my perception of success has changed a lot and recently too. Hmm. Um, as an athlete, um, I think that when you compete, it's, it is sort of a, a, a lone journey in a hmm. sense. Um, even on a team sport, you, you know, you're looking to be, to perhaps go to college or, or to win a CIF championship in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, while you're working with others, you have your own destiny, you have your own path and, and goals that you want to accomplish for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that perspective and that thought as an athlete has changed for me. Um, 
I think the biggest influence was my experience with coaching. Hmm. I went back during that year of, after college to coach wrestling at King High School, and I went back with a mindset of, I want this team to do really well because I'm the coach now, and hmm. I, I want to look good as a coach. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, that's not what I was thinking, but I think un, deep down that's what I was thinking, hmm. and that was my motivations. Um, but when when we had failure, when we didn't do as well, I was crushed. I was like, shoot, is, am yeah. I the reason why we're not doing well? You know, is, is, um, am I not good enough? And my perspective since then has been coaching is it, you coach for the sake of making these kids into better people, not yeah. just better athletes, I but agree with that hundred percent. better, better future doctors, better future policemen, better future, just civilians, yeah. people in general, not even just athletes. So I think my perspective was wrong, but I think, um, just that same thought process can be um, expanded into life in general. And, and I think success is service. It's serving others, whether it be at your, at, you know, your clients at, at my law firm or, or mm. um, your family, just serving your family, being there in the holidays, you know, helping them get through that stressful time. Mm. And before it was what, you know, what can I attain? What can I achieve individually? And, and now I think it's shifted through my experiences coaching. I think primarily, um, to whatever it, whatever it is that I do, whether it be, uh, an occupation, uh, family life, friends, people that I surround myself with, I want to serve others. And I think that brings true joy and, and happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I could have come to that perspective or I could have achieved that same sort of joy, just going on that one track of what can I get and mm-hmm. obtain for myself. Yeah. It's uh, instead of, yeah, like you said, instead of what can I get, what can I do for others? I do. And it seems like, yeah, in, in our society, a lot of people think of it the other way. Like you said, what can I get? Like, what do I get out of this if yeah. I do this? Um, I always think about <clears throat> this in general for, for everything. I feel like when you start off to do something, whatever it is, uh, if you go into it with the right mentality and you have like a good reason for doing it, I think the success and even money just comes naturally. I think it just shows up. Yeah. Um, but if you go into it with the mindset of uh, this needs to be a success, it needs to be a success. Uh, it needs to bring in lots of money. I feel like those people fail. Yeah. Because um, they're going into it with the wrong mindset. They're thinking about what can I get out of it instead of, you know, what will it bring uh, to others instead of myself. Yeah. So that's what I think of. Um, and it seems like you kind of share that same mentality. It's, it's kind of like it, the analogy of, of gifts. Like we just mm-hmm. got past Christmas. Yeah. You know, you, you everybody thinks before going into it, what am I going to get? Like, what, mm-hmm. am I getting that new toy, that new dirt bike, whatever oh, yeah. it be? And then it's interesting it, for most people, not everybody, but at least myself, when you give someone a gift and they open it up and you see their reaction, there's you can't mimic that that sort of, joy and happiness when you see their face and they're surprised and, and because, you know, maybe when you get a gift in that moment, you're stoked and yeah, I got the new Mm -hmm. toy, but it, it, it fades. And, um, there's something about just doing stuff for others that it, it, it's more, it ever, it lasts a little longer or it's at least a little bit more, I don't know, eternal. If you think of it that way, it's a, it's a memory. It's an experience that you hold on to. Um, that's what I think about with uh, like traveling, like you know, for example, the the photo behind you, yeah. you know, with Half Dome Yosemite. Like yeah. I can remember the memories and the experience of it. 
Um, but the stuff I bought there, like souvenirs and stuff, mm-hmm. all that stuff eventually, yeah, I don't care about it anymore because it's in the moment and it fades and it's materialistic. Yeah. But the experience, the memories, that's what you hold on to. Absolutely. And that's why it makes it more joyful, I guess. So I get your point. Yeah. Um, well, man, we'll wrap it up there. I think you got uh, a lot going on, but um, a lot going on in a good way. Um, and you definitely have a bright future and I hope... I hope and I wish the best, you know, for you and your fiance and uh, for your law journey. And I'll be rooting for you. I'll keep you in my prayers for uh, you. your bar exam. Thank you. You know, that's big, man. I, I hope I hope you pass. Thank you. One one round and done. That would be the best way to go. One and done. I, know, I saw that in the message. One round. You just want to do it. <laughs> I, I agree. I wouldn't want to take it multiple times either. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, here. man. I appreciate, appreciate it. it, Dustin. Yeah. I, um, I'm glad Brandon hooked this up. And I'm glad you accepted the offer. So, um, yeah, guys, that is today's episode. Uh, remember that life is an adventure, so make sure you live it on your own terms. And I'll see you next episode. Thanks, man. Thank you, Dustin. You've been listening to Your Adventure Podcast with Dustin Emery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this podcast. And we hope that you've been truly inspired and motivated. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram at Your Adventure Podcast. Until next time, this is Your Adventure Podcast signing off.